Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. This is your day in court. My name is Tug Coward, along with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We're going to get into some topics that will probably be something that you've heard about, you've thought about, and that probably irritate you a little bit because some of them involve the Braves. Matter of fact, two of the stories that we are going to talk about today involve the Atlanta Braves. Before we get to those, I want to uh, introduce you to uh, Ray and to Bruce. And how do we get a hold of you in case we need you? I'm easy. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D as in David, I-C-E, RayJudiceLaw.com. Myself, 404-964-4185. Bruce? Yeah, it's Bruce at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N. Hagen-Law.com, 404-522-7553. And can I just say, this has become my favorite part of the week. And, and it's partly because, you know, Ray and I deal with some heavy-duty sure. uh, subjects day to day. I mean, yesterday, I, I spent the day with the parents of a six-year-old child who'd been killed in a car wreck. Mm. Just brutal, rehashing at depositions, every last bit of it. So to be able to just kind of come in here and really just talk about some of the legal issues sure. and, and, and talk about having your day in court, I love it. This yeah. this is great. And I, and I think is, this is something that hopefully the listeners are uh, appreciating. Yeah, well. we're going to think out loud. And I think a lot of folks that aren't lawyers or wonder what we do as lawyers think that there's this hours and hours in the conference room of thinking and scratching our chins and debating. It's not. We're trying to get to the bottom line as fast as possible. You know, when I have one of my team members draft a brief or a memo for me, I don't need 97 pages. I want the two or three best cases, especially if they're Georgia cases. Don't give me no federal cases. I've had some, <laughs> have you ever had a couple of Georgia judges? Oh, no, no, let's stick to Georgia law. None of that federal law here, but let's get to it. Let's solve the client's problem. But here we're getting to, you know, answer some great questions posed by Tug and think things out and. I think we both leave smarter. I think there so too, and, and we've never. <laughs> I know been, I do. <laughs> we've never been the sort of lawyers who just charge by the hour, and so yeah. the longer something takes, the the more advantageous it is to us. We try to be um, efficient, as opposed to the I think seven hundred dollar an hour lawyer who was taking the depositions yesterday that you know wanted to hear all about these folks' high school education and sure. the names of their teachers and and uh, the first summer job you had. I, like it was painful. This story that we're going to talk about first, the Marcelo Zuna saga. I mean, it's relatively heavy, but but I do want to get your opinion on it because it affects Braves fans and it affects the Atlanta Braves. It affects Marcelo Zuna. It affects a whole lot of money. Do the Braves have to pay this money? Is there some sort of way that they can get out of this contract? Because he was arrested on domestic violence charges by the Sandy Springs Police Department. And it's so opposite of what Marcelo Zuna is on the field and the persona he has. Everybody's smiling. He's hugging everybody. He has such a likable way about him. And then you see this happen and you take a step back and go, hmm, is he different away from the field than he is on the field? And I think oftentimes that may be the case, but this one's really ugly. When the police came in, he was basically saying, I'm going to kill you. And he had his wife, you know, around the neck. How do you guys see this playing out 
legally, but then also with the Atlanta Braves, because that's a big, important part of it, too. First of all, let's make sure we all are on the same page that Mr. Azuna deserves and has got the presumption of innocence. He is cloaked in that, okay? That's what we tell our jurors in a criminal case. So we're going to start off with that. Secondly, let me also say, on June the 4th will be my 36th year of practicing law. And I have read thousands of police reports, warrant applications. Interestingly enough, they're not always accurate, okay? So we're getting one side of the story from the Sandy Springs Police Department, not implying that they're not telling the truth. Of course. But that's their interpretation, or at least that's what we're being told. So let's all step back a little bit because Mr. Azun is going to have good legal counsel, and he's going to bring forth what I think is probably a different story, all right? So that being said, what have we got? Well, we've got a felony charge. So that differs from many, many of the domestic violence cases that we hear about, which tend to be misdemeanors. Now, I'm certainly not not relegating a misdemeanor domestic violence charge to not being serious. It is very serious. Of course. But this has moved to the next level. Again, the allegations in the warrant and what the officers say they saw, and let's make sure we know they've got body cameras. So those body camera films need to line up with what these officers are saying they saw and heard. That's the first thing I do when I get that report is say, okay, we're going to go word by word, frame by frame in the video and see if it's accurate because it's not always accurate. This is obviously a very serious issue when you talk about domestic violence and in the course of who is all affected by this. Marcella Zuna's wife, there are children involved. You know, there, there's a family at the core of this. And if there's been a crime committed, you want to make sure that the true victims are protected and adequately represented, in a sense, in this whole process. But the police responded to a call, right? They didn't just happen upon this incident. Somebody made the call. Something happened to either warrant that call being made and in the time between the call being made and the police arriving there. And, you know, similar to a fight on the football field, you know, one guy throws a punch, the second guy comes in with a punch, and that's where the flag is thrown. You may have this situation where we don't know exactly what very good point. happened before the police arrived. And when the police show up with their cameras going, the big question is going to be what was happening before those cameras started running as well. We know that there's a history of volatility. There have been allegations brought against Mr. Zuna's wife before this for abusing him. So we know there's a volatile relationship. And so there's some history there. And what led to the first thing that the police saw of Marcella Zuna hitting the wife, we don't know. You can always say it's never appropriate to hit a woman. But we don't know if she was there with a knife trying to stab him before the police walked in the door or trying to stab the kids, right? Is it really never appropriate to hit somebody? I'm not advocating for domestic no, violence course, under any standpoint. But that's but a great There is a, a concept of self-defense, and you know we just don't know what happened beforehand. That part of the story will come out here in the coming weeks. So it's hard not to rush to judgment when we live in an era of instant um, judgment and, and, and headlines really being all that we need to see to make our opinions. Ray is 100% correct about the presumption of innocence. The problem is that that does not apply in the court of public opinion. No, it never and, does. And so, uh, you know, that's what we're dealing with now. Yeah, and, and despite that presumption that we all believe in, you know, he's behind the eight ball. He, he Literally, he's going to have to prove his innocence, or at least, as Bruce brings up, some some reason why this happened that is not him committing a crime. It's him maybe stopping a crime, the crime of him being assaulted by somebody who may have assaulted him in the past. Those were those allegations. Sure. Uh, so we don't know. We need to let it play out. But the next problem is that this is not uh, John Q. Public who works at the plant. No, no offense to John Q. Public working at the at the plant, yeah, but this is a high this profile, a high profile millions Highly and paid. millions <laughs> of dollars at stake, not just in contracts, but in 
commercials and advertisings and sponsors and, you know, maybe the, the baseball camp of the future and all those things that these guys get to do. Do you, you know? know what tomorrow was? Well, this past Thursday was supposed to be at the Braves game was Marcella Zuna bobblehead. They were giving out the yellow sleeves yeah. to, to yeah. the fans. They quickly canceled that promotion. And whoever yeah. makes those yellow sleeves is not no longer has his model. It's yeah. now the Bruce Hagen yellow sleeve. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Or anybody else. Yeah, that anybody wear. else. Right. So, I mean, the ramifications you've got, you've got lawyers for both Major League Baseball and, and his agent and the Braves who put together a contract. I'm going to tell you that's not a one sheet of paper deal. That's expansive contract. It's got all kinds of you cans and you can'ts do. And there may be a morals clause in there. I would suspect there is of conduct unbecoming a major leaguer to the detriment of the Braves. The Braves are owned by a major corporation, if I understand correctly. Yeah, Liberty Media. And we're in a in an era where major corporate America is being, quite frankly, very uh, reactive to both the Me Too movement, the racial uh, social justice movement, domestic violent movement, and what this big company doesn't want tomorrow is 150 people with picket signs in front of their New York City headquarters or wherever Colorado, saying, right. Colorado saying, be tough on domestic right. violence, don't let him ever play again. But what Marcelo Zuna has going for him is the Major League Baseball Players Players Union. Of course. And the Players Which Union is very powerful. Is very powerful, almost on equal footing with the owners in baseball. Unlike other sports, certainly unlike the NFL, the players really do kind of run the show here in baseball. And it's entirely likely that while the Braves could say, Marcel Zuni, you're not welcome back here anymore, they may still end up having to pay that contract mm -hmm. because the, the obligation is required under the players' contract. That And, and so the, mor the morals clause as it relates to that is going to be um, – it's not going to be just judged on its face by his conduct. It's going to be also with the overlay umbrella protecting him by virtue of what's in the collective bargaining agreement. And so that's, you know, that's hard to come by. So there, there will be separate from the criminal case. There will be a grievance and arbitration, maybe even litigation over this sort of thing, because um, somebody is going to insist on payment. Um, and, you know, the Braves may have to move on for the reasons Ray talking about outside pressures. They may have to move on, but they still may end up being stuck with Marcelo Zuna's contract. And he's essentially at this point untradeable. Yeah. I agree. He has almost no value, at least now on the market. Uh, now, do people get to come back? First of all, again, <laughs> it may turn out yeah. that, he's, that innocent. he's innocent. Uh, he was attacked or had other reasons to, right. to behave the way he was allegedly behaved. And he can come back and play and get his contract and all that's great. Uh, but uh, I, I think there's going to be some legal wrangling. So, Bruce, here's my question. You know, we're, we're both lawyers uh, and we and we take on our clients positions sometimes even when we disagree with them. So what if the Braves and their corporate owners say to their legal team, we're not going to pay him. Let him take us to court. Let Major League Baseball and the Players Union take us to court. Let him win. Beat, beat us if you can. Yeah. We're not paying until a court makes us pay because we don't believe in domestic violence. And you, Players Union, have forced this down our throats, and it's wrong. I mean, yeah. I don't think it, that's it, a bad position to take. It becomes leverage for them the next time they have negotiations. Absolutely. That, you know, we're, we're going to there, – there, there will be an issue that's more important to the Players Union, and the owners will say – We'll give in on that issue, yeah. but yeah. we're not we're not allowing you to get away with this moral clause, morals clause protection any longer. You want a twenty six member team? You want you know yeah. whatever it is. You, you want know, the DH. DH, right? And they'll trade off. But you know, shame on Major League Baseball Union. I think now look, it's their job to negotiate, but they've negotiated this situation where their their players are, you know, 
contract proof. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and but you know before we go, um, MLB is doing its own investigation here. There's a lot more facts that are going to sure. come out if Marcelo Zuna's name is cleared. It may not happen in time for this season for Braves fans, but the idea that time will go by, he could come back next spring because things have come to light that that, that put it in a different look, light, it, right? And and you know, it is the sort of thing that there's a scenario that gets the team, the player, the fans, the legal system all behind him, and he can go back to mixing it up and hitting home runs and and you yeah. know, being a fun guy in the dugout. Yeah, no doubt about it. He was uh, beloved by the fan base, so it's a uh, it's a very, very tense. You can just see the tension, you know, when it comes to one, that one conversation. Quick thing, though, yeah, yeah. On domestic violence, it knows no economic boundaries, Mm-mm. no geographic boundaries, no educational boundaries. It happens in the best homes and mansions, and down in the barrio and in the projects, or I mean, in every place in between. Yes. Uh, so there's there's no excuse for it. Uh, you know, any man or any partner, any domestic partner who strikes their domestic partner, especially when there are children in the house. And in Georgia law, if you commit an act of domestic violence against your partner and there are children under the age of 14 in the home, that is a additional misdemeanor charge of endangering a child. And you know what? If a seven-year-old hears, hears their parents hitting each other, yeah. you have harmed that no question. child. No question about it. It's such a good point. When we come back, we'll stick on the Atlanta Braves because there is a new lawsuit and all because of the All-Star game being moved out of Atlanta. It's got some pretty big names tied to it, ones that you'll recognize. We'll talk about it next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, We are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a Mad Men's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. This is Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3 with Bruce Hagan, Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. We just finished talking about Marcelo Zuna's troubles with the Atlanta Braves. But this story involves the Braves, but not quite as directly. Remember, the All-Star Game in 2021 this year was supposed to be here in Atlanta. That was moved. It was due to uh, a lot of corporations putting pressure on Major League Baseball because of the voting law. So now a pro-business group backed by Bernie Marcus, one of the founders of Home Depot, is suing Major League Baseball for moving the game and some of the lost revenue that small businesses and minority-owned businesses that they will face because of that All-Star game not being here. So, Bruce, we'll start with you. 
How do you see this playing out? Because, I mean, on the surface, it looks like, okay, you're, it's a pro-business group. They're representing small businesses here in town. They've got a big name attached to it. So automatically you think it at least has credence. It looks like it you know, is, is something you got to take serious. Do you see it that way? Well, I'm sure it is something that Major League Baseball will take seriously. Um, but first and foremost, you know, the issue is what is the job creator's network? They're mm-hmm. the plaintiff in this case. And being a plaintiff in a lawsuit um, does, it doesn't require anything more than having a check to pay the filing fees and f- filing something down at the courthouse. It doesn't mean you have a valid claim or even what's called in law standing to bring a valid claim. So that's going to be the first question here is who are these plaintiffs and do they even have standing to complain about any of the um, allegations that they're making in their complaint? Standing means that you've got a dog in the fight, right? You've got, you've got a stake here. And so, you know, they describe themselves as a network of small businesses um, that advocate for, um, just favorable laws and favorable favorable sure. conditions for their small businesses, such as um, favorable tax uh, tax laws and that sort of thing. Um, the formation of the group is a whole different subject. We can get into that, but just just on on the face of it, you know, in order to have standing here, I believe they would have to show that they actually are economically affected by the decision of Major League Baseball to pull the All Star Game out of the Atlanta market. Um, they claim to be a nationwide group, and so one of the things that comes to mind is, well, even, even if they can say that we actually are comprised of small businesses, th- that we can demonstrate there's a financial uh, impact to each of them, presumably as a nationwide group, they have small businesses in Denver who are mm-hmm. financially impacted by, and benefited by having the All-Star Game put there. You know, I, I think that the first hurdle is for them to establish that they are a group where there is some sort of financial effect on them and their members or that they speak for those members. And that's going to be very difficult to do in this case. I think. And, and then stage two, should they prevail on that, which I agree with Bruce, this is very, Bruce is very difficult. What is their actual harm? What is their, what can they prove? Okay. So the law also says, yes, you have to have standing, but your damages, your injuries cannot be speculative. Okay. You've got to be able to prove damages. Let's change the facts just a little bit. Uh, we're here at the battery. And let's say that one of the many shops or businesses that are here in the Battery made an investment through Major League Baseball and the Braves to have uh, have their banners flown in the outfield or on the wall. And they paid $40,000 for that privilege at the All-Star Game. Well, I can prove, A, they have standing because they mm-hmm. had a contract. B, that they have damages, that $40,000. The next part of their damages would, would be... And that was going to generate so much business for mm-hmm. me. That's the that's where part the speculation that's hard. comes in. You might be able to show it. Maybe we invested in last time's base uh, All Star Game, and we had a twenty percent increase in okay. revenues in the next ninety days. So it's or, not, or they can show it from other markets how right, it, how it's right. how it's happening. And that's part of what we lawyers have to yeah. do is prove damages in court. What is your future pain and suffering? What is your future medicals, lost earnings? Some are what I like to call hard specials, yeah. meaning I got a bill from the doctor. And some are soft specials, meaning, well, I, I won't be able to work all that extra overtime I used to work. Here's mm-hmm. one that might be even a, a little easier as well. Suppose one of the restaurants in the battery, Antico Pizza, just to pick one that sure. I eat at every time I go to a game. Yeah, right. Um, suppose Antico Pizza says, uh, hey, look, we know that there were going to be 45,000 fans 
at every night of the All-Star weekend. We had the uh, home run derby, derby and the, the, the celebrity thing. softball game right. and all that. There were going to be 45,000 fans here and, and another you know, ten to 20,000 hangers-on, and we were going to be busy nonstop. And we also know that now that's a four-day break in the action if you don't host the All-Star game. So that's four days of what would have been very busy revenue um, that we can demonstrate here. We, we clearly have a loss because we can point to our experience during playoff games or well, anything just, else just v- during, versus off-season. Right, just during a regular Braves game. People who don't have tickets come to the battery just to eat and, and hang out. So you're po- I see your point 100%. So, so I, think, I think if this lawsuit was being brought forth by the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce uh, or the battery, and for those that don't know, the battery is the, is the property around Truist Park where all the businesses— It's a multi, and, multi-use yeah. If the hotels facility. here had banded together in the restaurants and said, you know what? You guys, we were booked. Our hotel, every room, now I've got a refund. So they've got damages. So that, to me, would be A, standing, and B, less speculative. And that's not a bad little case. I'm not saying I want the case, by the way, (laughs) because that's not what I do. All I'm saying that this case that we see here, as we were joking earlier, our dear friend Frank Duffy from Duffy Realty, uh, that's sort of his quote unquote air air quotes lawsuit against the NFL referees for jobbing the Saints in a playoff game a couple <laughs> right, of years ago. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. But I would give you you know an example here. So so the um, Job Creators Network, if it were really comprised of these restaurants and hotels yes, in Cobb yes. County that are affected by it, and there was a direct monetary connection there, where Job Creators Network somehow or another is passing that money along to them or collect money to them to advocate for them. That's how they establish a right to file this lawsuit. I don't think they have any of that, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and so it's very difficult for them to, pers- to move forward with this and do it as anything other than just political theater. And by that, I mean that. We'll play you know, that out. Where does that go in a next yeah. governor's election or senatorial election in the state of Georgia? Right. Because, you know, what you have is a very controversial law that's being pa- that was passed in Georgia and similar laws being passed in other so-called red states or historically red states that um, are touted by the proponents of the law as providing access to voting and, and securing the integrity of the voting process and are attacked by folks who are advocates for people who are pushed out of the process as being voter suppression laws and, and modern day Jim Crow. And so baseball's reaction, along with those of many um, companies that had to deal with public pressure, was um, we can't support this, because, you know, what these states are doing, because we feel this is voter suppression. And conservative groups have rallied against that. I mean, I've seen commercials on TV recently just lambasting in Coca-Cola. There's, there's nothing about it other than that Coca-Cola is an evil company, Coca-Cola loses money, Coca-Cola hurts people, you know, and all of this is a reaction to Coca-Cola speaking out against these election laws in Georgia. Um, so to me, this is, this is nothing other than that. And it's, it's interesting. The Job Creators Network talks about how, you know, their best interest, for example, we have purchased billboards in Times Square on behalf of our members, right? The billboards they purchased in Times Square were after Amazon pulled out of um, putting their headquarters in Queens, New York, um, they put a billboard up in Times Square basically attacking Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, for running these businesses out of New York and costing New York all these jobs. So it was an anti-AOC billboard. So, so back to politics, kind of like that yeah, you well, brought look, up, right? Yeah, well, the state of Texas has got a piece of legislation very similar. I haven't read it. But similar in theory and spirit to the law that Georgia passed about voting rights or voting processes, it's being 
delayed. The Democrats walked out of the their their Congress, uh, their Senate the other night. But if that bill passes, that law passes in the state of Texas, is Jerry Jones not going to get another Super Bowl? Is the NFL going to? I mean, what's how? I mean, do you talk about corporate pressure? Nobody generates corporate pressure like the NFL. I mean, that is the shield, mm-hmm. and that that is corporate. The NFL is corporate America. Do you mm-hmm. agree? I mean, I oh, think yeah. we both agree on yeah. that. That's why the NFL players, as you pointed out earlier, don't have anywhere near the influence or impact in negotiations as the Major League Baseball players, and I think the NBA right. players have right. kind of reached right. some parity, although Adam Silver, I think, has done a really good job in keeping the league moving forward despite some real serious challenges. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think we're going to have to see how this plays out. Are we going to have a situation where corporate America rejects sporting events in in red states? Oh, or states that where corporate America says, well, we don't like the voting rights legislation or lack thereof that you passed. And I think it's it's got serious political ramifications down the road. We've seen it with the NCAA pulling sporting events out of states like Charlotte, uh, out of North, North Carolina, Carolina yeah. where they had uh, anti-gay rights laws passed. And they said, well, we're not we're not bringing this massive event that's going to um, provide a huge bump to your economy. We're not bringing that to your state because we disagree with your policies. Um, the the case itself that Job Creators Network brought uh, is based on some pretty odd theories. Um, some of the ones that uh, I, I find interesting, there's a theory called promissory estoppel. It's, just, it's, it's something we learn about in law school. I was going to say that. I don't know what that is. It's, 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 so, so it's a fancy way of saying, um, you made me a promise and I relied on your promise, and my reliance cost money, right? I, I relied on your promise to my detriment, mm-hmm. and and now you broke that promise, so you owe me something. I, I would give you a better example of a promissory estoppel claim based on what we were just talking about earlier, the Marcelo Zuna yellow sleeve giveaway night, right? Okay. The Braves promoted that before the season began. If I was a kid or you know, who was like a huge Marcelo Zuna fan and begged my parents, please, yeah, I got to go to that game. I got to have a Marcelo Zuna sleeve, and that's the one game. Um, and and then I bought the ticket based on this giveaway that you're doing. Uh, and now you say, we're not giving those, those away anymore. That kid who bought the ticket, I think, has a stronger claim against the Braves <laughs> than, the, than the Job Creators Network has against Major League Baseball for the, for the promissory estoppel claim. You know, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see a judge who, if, if he or she decides that there's no standing in this case— Go ahead and hear the motion for frivolous litigation and assign some financial penalties. Now, a lot of folks, you know, back in the day thought there was had to be, if you lose, you pay. Well, we actually do have provisions in both the state and federal laws for frivolous litigation, lousy lawsuits, not just wrong lawsuits. We can be wrong. I've lost cases. You've lost cases. Uh, and we believed uh, yeah, in, and yeah, you, yeah. For. Well, you know, and, and the jury said, nope, the other side's right. You're yeah. wrong. That doesn't make it frivolous. Right. Of course. This I, I think this is pretty close to frivolous. Yeah, I really do. And, 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 you know, as lawyers, when you are bringing a suit, you put your best foot forward first. Right. Uh, and, and here the Job Creators Network has listed multiple theories mm-hmm. under which they claim they're entitled to recover something, right? Um, seven different causes of action, theories of recovery. And the first one that they're bringing is a violation of the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. Um, if that's what you've got, they're saying that this is some sort of a conspiracy between two uh, two or more entities here to deprive me of constitutional rights that I'm supposed to have. Mm-hmm. That case is going nowhere, and, right. and that's the best theory they have. Yeah. Right? They 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 list theories of 
tortious interference with contract, claiming that they're somehow third-party beneficiaries of the agreement between MLB and the Braves to host the All-Star Game in Atlanta. You know, you've got to, again, you've got to have a real connection to this. And, and then, you know, other tort theories that they bring um, where you'd have to show that there's some duty, like MLB has some kind of duty to you uh, as a network of affiliated businesses from around the country. Um, so separate from this this first concept we talked about of standing, the individual theories that are brought in this lawsuit are so weak um, that I just can't see any of this surviving. Mm-hmm. But that's on page 16 through 21 of the complaint that nobody but lawyers like us are reading. The public just sees you know, business network brings hundred million dollar lawsuit versus right. MLB. The headline. Now, and, what about and, and no reason to go any further? Well, do, do the Braves and their owners have standing in this case? Now, look, you're supposed to get an All Star game every thirty years, or when you I build think a also new park. when you build a new park. The Braves did a ton of promotion. Started what early last year, maybe yes. even the year before. Correct. They're looking at a, a huge loss in whatever percentage of revenues they get to retain from that. I'm sure a lot of those proceeds are sp- spread among Major League Baseball as well. Uh, we've got fans. You've got forty thousand fans that bought those tickets. I think the Braves have standing in a case similar to this against uh, against this thing, the All Star Game being moved. I mean, is the All Star Game never going to come back to Atlanta as long as this? Laws on the books is that is that what we're supposed to believe? It goes back to kind of what you're talking about earlier. Will you know? Will other organizations not support anything? I mean, if there's in a state, if there's 25 states that pass such legislation, are, are we only going to have games in California and New York? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, just, and, and know, we know that there is going to be a very heated uh, governor's election here in 2022. Um, Governor Kemp has already begun campaigning. Um, it appears it's going to be Stacey Abrams for the Democrats, although there's been no announcement. Um, but, you know, we know it's going to be nasty and we know it's going to be a long, drawn out fight. And that there's going to be a lot of attention on Georgia. And this is going to be right out front, th- this issue. And so, you know, it, was this lawsuit filed with the idea of, hey, it may never succeed. Maybe it is frivolous. Maybe we have to use some of that money that we got from the founders who are all super wealthy right-wing conservative supporters maybe we use some of this money that we have here to pay fines and for bringing frivolous lawsuits but we've done a good job of giving ammunition to republican candidates in states where they can claim you know in georgia that hey you democrats caused this and we lost hundreds of millions of dollars in our state because you made such a stink about it and the lawsuit being filed in the southern district of new york federal court will give a candidate, maybe a conservative candidate for governor or senator, to say, look what these liberals up in New York City just did. You know, they they threw out our lawsuit to protect the all-star game. All those jobs and the vendors and the car parkers and the hot dog guys that lost, you know, lost that whole four days worth of income and the joy that it would bring to the citizens of the state of Georgia. I mean, this is going to get hung on some, but on some candidate. And it, no question. It may not be the best issue. But it'll be an issue. Well, of course it will. Is it, is it not surprising to you guys, though, that a guy like Bernie uh, Marcus is involved at all? Because that's the thing. If it's so frivolous and you have a guy like him that is, you know, at least involved in some way, shape, form, well, or fashion. I, I, you know, look, I don't know that his fingerprints, so to speak, are on this lawsuit. Uh, he funded an organization. I don't know that. I don't know how involved he is on a day to day basis. I mean, I, I we were talking earlier. I moved to Atlanta in 1978, and I happened to live in an area of Buford Highway in an apartment 
where one day I walked into a little sh- a little store on Buford Highway where two guys had opened up this hardware store. Uh, and it turns out it was it was Bernie Marcus and uh, and Mr. Blank. Right. Okay, 1978. And so we're talking about two gentlemen uh, who have given millions upon millions of dollars for some of the most uh, civic organizations, charitable organizations, sure. the breast cancer hospital, the, the aquarium. So they each have a right to have their political bent and to put their money where their mouth is. And if they want to fund a, a lawsuit that some judge dismisses and maybe you maybe not assigns frivolous benefit, you know, costs to the losers. Well, so what? OK, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're entitled. It's, you know, it, of course, they, yeah, they still I'm, get yeah. to vote, too. Of and course. they get to vote with their, their wallet and their pocketbook. Yeah, yeah I and just I, and I don't know that anybody's asking Bernie Marcus, hey, should we file this lawsuit yeah, right. or not? You know, Bernie Marcus gave money, I think it was half a million dollars in 2010 to help form this group. Okay. And then gave another million dollars in 2015 and has supported this group as well as some offshoots from it with his money over the years. Um, there are other, you know, hedge fund billionaire uh, Robert Mercer and his daughter. Um, there's some PR executives who were really tied behind this with uh, the guy Rick Benson. I'm sorry, Rick Berman. Um, and, you know, guys were tied to Steve Bannon. Um, there's Andy Puzder, who's a CEO of uh, the restaurants that own Carl's Jr. What these guys have in common is that they all support the most conservative politicians out there with their mm-hmm. billions, well, the, the, the billions of dollars that they have enable them sure. to give huge financial support. And, and they give the support to the candidates who are going to help them continue to make more money. You know, they, the ones who want the lowest corporate tax sure. rates. You know, that's not necessarily businesses that have the best interest of small business at heart, right? I mean, small, look, Ray and I are small businessmen. Of course. Right? We've, we've, the corporate tax rate doesn't affect us, uh, but it does affect um, guys like Home Depot and, and you know, these, these super mega wealthy uh, sure. guys who sit at the top of these major corporations. So, you know, is it surprising that Bernie Marcus's name is tied to this? No, it's not surprising. And, and I don't think Bernie Marcus had anything to do with this lawsuit being filed. You know, they've turned this group over to other folks who have, a, have their own agenda and their own uh, decision-making authority okay. without having to go back to him. And agree. Just and just because these two lawyers in this little room here don't think this is a great lawsuit and they don't have standing, that doesn't mean you're not right. going to be found to have standing and prove damages sure. and, and, and win the case. Yeah. Okay, so you know we're just we're just opining here. No, I get but, it. But uh, you know, again, it, it, if they had come to me and asked me to file this lawsuit, I wouldn't have taken, and I don't think Bruce would have either. I, I can't speak for you, but uh, you know, I know you to be a person of not only high moral character, but also the person doesn't want to go in front of a judge and say. What? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, right. that's the worst answer you could probably that's get right. from a judge, right? Yeah. What are you doing? But, but you we've did known, what? We've known some very good lawyers with, with uh, of the highest integrity um, who will look somebody in the eye and say, um, I, I understand uh, your grievance. Um, my retainer is going to be X, and they'll put a very large number out there and just wait and see what the sort of reaction is. And so if, if, if the head of this network were sitting in my office and I say, well, all right, for me to do this, I'm going to need a retainer of $500,000. If he gasps, I might say, but I could probably get away with 400 to start. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't react, I might say, but given the complications of this case, we're probably going to need to bump that up to 750. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the one answer you don't want when you quote a fee like that is when the client says or the prospective client, that seems fair. Then you're like, oh, my oh, God. No. Oh, no. What did I, I do? <laughs> That's right. That's we're good. only kidding. We're no, only of course. Kidding. Of course we're kidding. <laughs> this is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice here on Extra 1063. When we come back, 
we're going to deviate a little bit from sports and talk about a lawsuit that was filed that the Supreme Court has now said, no, we're not going to hear the appeal on. And it has to do with something that has been used by families, probably mothers more than anybody else, for hundreds of years. That's why I'm a little confused by the case, but I know that Ray and Bruce will be able to help me understand it. Next. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Final segment, your day in court here on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart, along with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice talking about cases that are in the news right now. We've covered the Marcelo Zuda case. We've covered the uh, all-star moving from Atlanta lawsuit. If you missed those, you can catch them on uh, thepodcastpark.com. You can uh, search for us on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Listen to it podcast-wise that way, too. This last case that uh, is is fascinating to me because, as a layman, I see someone suing Johnson & Johnson for baby powder, and automatically, you, you said it earlier, frivolous lawsuits. And this one, on the surface, just when I see it, that's what came to mind. Look, it made it all the way to the Supreme Court, so it can't be too frivolous. But it's interesting to me because I think of, you know, mom using baby powder, you know, for 100 years now. Why all of a sudden is baby powder something that someone's suing over? Well, this is a class action lawsuit over for many, many women who developed ovarian cancer. And what some of the research turned up is that back in the early 70s, J&J, Johnson & Johnson, and, and I'm, I'm a shareholder of the company, uh, full disclosure, uh, had studies and they were actually using a small, tiny percentage of asbestos in the talcum mm. powder itself. Uh, what, what, why and what the chemical need for that was, I don't know. I'm not an expert there. Uh, and then what happened was, you know, ovarian cancer does is a very slow cancer and takes a long time to not only be developed but to be diagnosed. Uh, there were so many cases that they were able to link, I, you know, the trial court and the jury and many juries found their connection, a causal connection. I'm sure Johnson & Johnson had the best experts that money could buy and research. And they do a lot of good things, you know. Uh, now, this verdict was appealed to uh, mid-level courts, appellate courts of the state, I think in New Jersey. I think it's where J&J is corpor incorporated. And it made, as you said, made its way up to the United States Supreme Court as a $2 billion with verdict. With yeah. a B. So let's talk about what happens before a case like that even gets yeah. into this posture. So when you have something that is a harm caused to somebody that's repeated 
over and over again, right? All around the, the country, maybe even the world. Um, we've set up a procedure in our courts that was set up by, um, I should say, the conservative-minded um, um, Congress at the time um, that says, hey, look, rather than having these businesses having to fight a thousand, ten thousand different lawsuits in ten thousand different courtrooms. Let's do this procedure where we can consolidate them, in, and and we're going to have a mass tort um, being handled. And so, and so they've created a uh, federal system here where if a case qualifies and meets all the criteria for being resolved that way, you can have one court administer all of the kind of the common rulings. So looking at the issues of the science, is this admissible? Is this not? Looking at these issues we talked about of standing and of, of other claims, right? Consolidate as much of it as possible into one court. And then what they'll do in the course of that is say, hey, look, let's do a couple of test trials. They're going to be real trials. It's not a, a phony trial or it's not, it's not a um, case study. It's, mm-hmm. it's a real trial. But these will be what we call a bellwether case. So we can get an idea of how does this play out in a courtroom. So there were 20,000 or more alleged victims of Johnson Johnson who developed ovarian cancer or something similar where it could literally be traced like bits of talc showing up in the cancer cells. Oh, my. Uh, you know, so, so it wasn't a mystery uh, as to how it got there. These, these were women who put powder down there uh, and, you know, years later developed ovarian cancer and, and the ta- there's traces of talc there, right? So yes. they can debate the science, but there was there was a medical vetting, a scientific vetting that took years, right, a, a, to get to this point. So now they go to trial and at the trial they present, in this case it was like 20 different women uh, who had their claims presented from 10 different states, I think, and... The jury awarded a total amount of like four and a half billion dollars against Johnson Johnson, and the real theory is that, hey, Johnson Johnson, you knew about this. You knew that these harmful chemicals, asbestos, a cancer-causing agent, was in your product. You knew how your customers were using the product, and they were likely to develop this, and you didn't warn the public about it. You know, goes back to the whole thing: what did you know, and when did when you, did know, you know, it? know it? Right. And and so here they're saying Johnson said you knew about this. You didn't warn the public, and you need to be responsible for it. And and this is a pretty common theme uh, in cases against, you know, we don't think of talcum powder as a drug, but J&J we think of as a drug manufacturer. Sure. Um, it's a common theme. Um, so in this case, the jury said, yeah, we've heard these cases. We've heard the evidence looking at how it's affected the lives of this many people and considering that J&J should be punished with punitive damages. We're going to include a punitive damages element in our award. The trial court reduced that down to a $2.1 billion number, still an enormous yeah, number. Incredible. Um, and then J&J appealed and, and said, you know, we were treated unfairly. The evidence that was presented was not uh, looked at correctly and so forth. And all the Supreme Court did was just say, we're not granting certiorari. We're, we're not going to hear this appeal. And it's essentially saying, J&J, you've hit the end of the road. Yeah, this is you know? yeah, this there's, time there's no to get to your go. checkbook out. So, so J&J is concerned not just about having a $2.1 billion judgment there, but also they still have this mass tort case pending with thousands and thousands more litigants who now say, hey, look, the first time this was tried, it cost you $2 billion. How many more of these are you going to try, or are we going to try to work out some sort of global settlement? In, uh, global. The next words are going to be out of my mouth. In the world, okay? Yeah. This product was distributed all around the world. You're going to have claims maybe going through The Hague. You're maybe going to have what's called a matrix, and Bruce knows about this for mass torts, where the federal court sets up a system where you opt into the group, into the class, 
and your case is graded on seriousness and, of course, there's no such thing as non-serious ovarian cancer, of okay? course. But there are going to be different levels of claims. Those who were diagnosed early and had hopefully a, a decent to fair recovery. Those whose death can be linked to that, and every and every type of outcome in between. And those will be great. I hate to use the word graded, but, but it really is. It's laid it's out it is, on yeah. a on a map, on a graph, and each case is worth a certain range of value. Just like Bruce has been very involved in the NFL. Uh, close head injury cases mm-hmm. over these years, and there are settlements for those whose death can be linked to the trauma, uh, the brain trauma, and those who have some cognitive problems that yeah. can be linked. So um, so that's what's going on, and I think you're going to see a lot of claims. Now, J&J has probably set aside $10, million, $10 billion no for this. Knowing this was probably well, coming. Absolutely, because first of all, if you appeal a verdict that you've lost— Bruce, you generally have to place a bond for the amount of the verdict or put the money in trust or in escrow or in a trust of the court. Right. And and these sort look, this these kinds of uh, matters have been litigated with the litigation going on for years and years. There's there are still asbestos claims that are going on despite uh, you know, years of class action asbestos uh, claims about that. Tobacco uh, claims are another one that, that years and years of litigation and, and you know, lawyers on both sides of, of the aisle who have made their entire careers out of representing both the injured, allegedly injured parties and, and the companies that are um, being blamed for it. So you know, this stuff has gone on and, and continues to go on in the context of the NFL. Yeah, it was exactly the same thing. What did the NFL know? When did they know it? And what did they fail to disclose to their players? And I can tell you, just like your reaction to talcum powder is like, come on, we're talking about talcum powder. You know, the, the reaction initially to the NFL claims was, yeah, what are you going to tell me that you guys don't know you're going to get brain damage from banging your head against each other, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times? Well, when it, when it came out, what the NFL knew and what they buried and how they actively deceived the players, mm-hmm. the next criticism became, what do you mean you're only settling for $900 million? How can you settle for so little? Yeah. You, you know, um, with the talcum powder cases, there's going to be a time limit, you know, sort of like you needed to develop your cancer between these dates. There's going to be very specifics as to the types of cancer that they'll award it to. And then there'll be this grid that says, you know, at what age were you diagnosed? Um, how long did you Back live with the, the cancer? Grading, right. and, and, and then they'll set up a fund to kind of pay out claims along those lines. And, and so um, if it gets to that point where they reach a, a global settlement, which really after the uh, Supreme Court denying this, that, that's, that will be the next thing that this gets to. So is this a final question before we wrap? Is this a, a case that will put Johnson Johnson out of business? No, no. no. Okay. Stock All was right. down three or four dollars yesterday. It's up a dollar a share today. It's had a great year. Uh, they've done a great job with the vaccine, even though I think they got sidewinded by the CDC there a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's just like any other. Uh, there are drugs being made right now that are being sold on yeah. the market. Stock prices are being jacked up as a result. CEOs get paid great. CEO leaves. Ten years later, it comes out that they knew that this drug was killing people. Uh, they'll it'll affect the stock price ten years from now. But all the people who were involved in that have already cashed out. You know, it's it's uh, the way of corporate America. The, the, the Ford Pinto case was what in the early seventies. Ford's making the best yeah. selling vehicle on the face of the earth. The F one fifty. Right. Forty years later. There okay, so it just keeps on keeping on. Your day in court is the name of the show. Quickly, Bruce, how do folks get a hold of you in case they need your help? Bruce at Hagen-Law.com. 
404-522-7553. Write down that number. Put it in your glove compartment so when you get in a wreck, you can call me from the scene. Ray Judice, G-I-U-D is in David I-C-E, just like one of those housewives from New Jersey. Teresa, <laughs> 404-964-4185. And if you go to the Google, I come up with all kinds of stuff. And you just like Bruce video that we've done, educational videos and things like that. Learn about our firm and, and our philosophy about practicing law. Make it a great weekend. This is Extra 106.3. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.